Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into Soccer Morning on a Monday. We are ready to go. It is a new week. There are four teams left in the Major League Soccer playoffs. We've got two teams left in the NASL. The just the uh, slow collapse, is it slow even, at Chelsea continues apace. We've got a lot of interesting weekend results. We've got a U-17 World Cup champion, same as the last U-17 World Cup. Lots of things to talk about today. We're going to be joined by our friend Charlie Bohm from MLSsoccer.com and SoccerWire and USsoccerplayers.com to discuss all of the MLS happenings. We'll go through all four of those results last night, the orgy of soccer, so to speak. Am I allowed to say that? This is a family show. It was... It was a smorgasbord of action, action, action. And we've got four teams left. Let's start there as we, uh, as we get into today's program. New York grinding out a one nothing win over D.C. United. The uh, That lone goal coming in added time. It was 0-0, which was fine for New York. They had that away goal. They got at RFK Stadium last week. They see off D.C. United 2-0 on aggregate. Bradley Wright Phillips doing the honors. Uh, NASL play. I'm oh, sorry, that that's not the where I'm going. I'm going to Columbus. The Columbus Crew beating Montreal Impact after extra time. Quite the game there as well. Kai Kamara scoring twice for Columbus in a four, sorry, in a three-one win on the day, which allowed them to overcome Montreal four-three on aggregate. FC Dallas beating the Seattle Sounders on penalties. FC Dallas getting a two-one win. In regulation or having uh, taking a 2-1 scoreline into extra time. No goals. We get a penalty shootout. FC Dallas wins 4-2. Jesse Gonzalez, the Mexican youth international for FC Dallas, 20 years old, between the sticks, saves two goals, or saves two kicks, excuse me, to allow his team to win. That game was madness. Featured three changes in who was going through in about seven minutes. We had... We had Walker Zimmerman coming back and getting a goal at the very end, the death of that game after Chad Marshall had put Seattle through. Previous to that, we'd had it was it was madness. Quite the day. We'll go again, we'll go over all this with Charlie Bum. Portland sees off Vancouver, early Fernando Adi goal, set up the Timbers to manage that game. And it didn't help that Vancouver lost Kakuta Mane to an injury uh, fairly early as well. Basically, what we got uh, in that in that uh, tie in that matchup was a team that didn't have a different gear in the Vancouver Whitecaps. If they weren't going to be playing from a leading position over the two legs, they were going to have a problem. NESL playoffs: Cosmos come back from a goal down to beat the Fort Lauderdale Strikers two to one on Saturday. Raúl scoring the winner as he prepares his swan song. One more game for Raúl as the Cosmos advance to the NESL championship game. Ottawa gets a late winner from Tyler Heineman to beat Minnesota United 2-1. So the final, this is the top two seeds, will be at Short Stadium in New York next Sunday. The U.S. Men's National Team roster released Friday for this coming Friday's World Cup qualifier for Russia 2018. It's the beginning of the process for the United States. They'll take on uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Clint Dempsey not on the roster. To many surprise, Matt Miazga, Darlington Nagby headlining the, lost, the roster as two newcomers to the team. Uh, 
Obviously, Nagby recently got his citizenship, and Miazga has been a star at many levels for the United States, has the potential to step into the senior roster, and Breck Shea's back in this team as well. Several other notable names. Weekend results. Manchester City held by Aston Villa. Goalless draw. Brad Guzan doing some work. Crystal Palace upending Liverpool. 1-2 at Anfield. Jurgen Klopp with some very, very maudlin statements after that game. How he was feeling very alone when everybody left Anfield with the with Crystal Palace goal. Arsenal, Tottenham played to a 1-1 draw in the North London Derby. Chelsea suffers its seventh loss of the season. No Jose Mourinho on the touchline. He was banned from that match against Stoke, against Stoke City. Uh, Barcelona, 3-0 winners over Villarreal. That's notable not only because it put Barcelona in first place in Spain, but also because of Neymar's goal, which was just absolutely stunning. Real Madrid falls to Sevilla 3-2. This is what allows Barcelona to leapfrog them in the La Liga standings. So now uh, Barcelona on 27 points, Real Madrid on 24. Dortmund 3, Schalke 2. Roma winning the Rome Derby 2-0 over Lazio. Reporting Reports suggest, speaking of Spain, that David Moyes will be sacked by Real Sociedad as early as today. They lost to Las Palmas away 2 to nothing. Not a good result for David Moyes. He flew to England uh, for some personal business over the weekend. Uh, as, uh, as reported in a statement by Real Sociedad, he's supposed to return to the club today. We'll see if, uh, if that he is, in, is indeed sacked as manager of Real Sociedad. Nigeria winning the, two, the U-17 World Cup for the second consecutive time with a 2-0 win over Mali. That's a tournament happened down in Chile. So congratulations to, are they the baby eagles? Are they the eaglets? Are they the, what are they, what are they called? I can never, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They have a, they, I'm sure they have some really cool nickname that I don't know. Let's set the stage here. We'll get Charlie Bohm on the line. We'll talk to him. About the MLS Cup playoffs, because man, oh man, did they get exciting last night. It's Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. Coming out of the weekend that gave us the second leg of the conference semifinals in the 2015 MLS Cup playoffs to uh, review quite the crazy day. Mr. Mr. Charlie Bohm from MLSsoccer.com, SoccerWire.com, and USSoccerPlayers.com. Go follow him on Twitter, C-B-O-E-H-M. He joins us now. Hi, Hi, Charlie. How are you? Jason, doing great. Uh, a little bit uh, woozy from a long day of uh, footy yesterday, but mm-hmm. uh, but in a good way. Yeah, what the, you know, uh, MLS going to this 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 marathon four games. I mean, you know, there's only a couple of weeks of this because it's the playoffs. But still, for our, uh, I'm sorry to be the whiner, but for us East Coasters, it's just a bit much. It's just a, <laughs> it's a long day. All right, so let, I mean, it was a great day yesterday. 
Talk about first world problems. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you know, and you know, oh, I, you have to stay up and write about soccer. Okay, sorry, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy. Let's uh, let's start. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this chronologically. It's how my brain works. We'll start with the first game of the day: the New York Red Bulls seeing off DC United one nothing. Now the goal came very very late and ultimately didn't have much of an impact on the game. What had an impact on the game is that DC United had zero attacking verve at all. Charlie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, you know, this is a team that, um, you know, competes uh, very effectively on a budget in this league. They've, they're doing a lot with a little. Ben Olsen does deserve a lot of credit for, for getting them to this stage, but you can't win if you don't score. And um, but the last two postseasons in a row, the, the, the goals have just gone missing for United, and um, I think it exposes probably some of the limitations of a model that's otherwise very effective in, in MLS. Certainly. Now we we know that that DC United operates under some restrictions. They, uh, you know, revenue wise, they've been behind the curve for a long time because of the stadium situation. Maybe that resolves itself in a couple of years. Still, don't think we have any shovels on the ground. So you know, don't believe it yet. Uh, meanwhile, the the Red Bulls went through this full on transformation from what they were previously to to what they are now. It, it wasn't just the head coach and Ali Curtis. It was a it was a full on philosoph- philosophical shift in how they were going to build their team and and here they are and again that wasn't that wasn't their best day either but but they've obviously proven that they've got something pretty special happening right now in Harrison yeah it's true and and uh, you know a lot of talk this morning about um, whether the DP model um, has been has been sort of proven wrong or at least uh, had some holes punched in it over the past 24 hours um, I don't know that that's necessarily the case it's the answer is much more nuanced but Certainly, the Red Bulls are a, a walking case study for the importance of um, philo- ph- philosophy, of coherence, of chemistry. Um, they are spending less than last year, but I don't think at this stage you now. I have there's no doubt left in my mind that this team is better overall and a more effective use of resources overall than the Thierry Henry led uh, sort of DP vehicle of the past several years for the Red Bulls. Um, and it's it's you know it's not that they're not spending. It's important to note here they they've gone out there. They paid a big transfer fee for Verone. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they, they went out and got Kleshton. They they've made moves. They just did it in a way that was completely focused on implementing their style. Um, uh, you know, making an effective locker room group, um, and not necessarily about selling tickets. I think they figured that the, the the ticket sales and the fan devotion would come along with the results, and it has. Yeah, absolutely, it was a uh, it was a fun atmosphere. Uh, we had John Champion on the call from ESPN. That was uh, quite the thing, unexpected uh, surprise. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, surprise. yeah. I, I, had, I had had a warning from John Tannenwald that that he was coming over and he was probably calling that game, but I kind of forgot about it. I turned out, oh, right, John Champion. That's very interesting. Um, I will uh, say though, I I, I think uh, I think we have to admit that was um, not always an easy game to watch. No, uh, no, you know, DC United's hopes I think centered on. Sort of their best chance to blunt the the pressing and the the um, the tempo setting abilities that the Red Bulls have. Their best chance was to grind out the game a bit. They did pretty well with it in the first leg, and they kept it close. So all they needed was one goal, and they would have sent it to extra time. You know, all the way up into um, into the final dying minutes. Um, but you know, I, I think it's okay to have a a little bit of a wider uh, philosophical conversation about what that means. What? You know, I I certainly. Uh, uh, feel for fans uh, comparing that game to the, the the three that followed it, which were much more open 
just had an overall higher level of quality. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a, a, a topic that we're probably going to debate, especially here in the D.C. area. People are going to debate for, for days and weeks now. Um, does it have to be this way for United? Do they have to be such a, uh, an attritional team? Um, or can you actually play attractive, more fluid soccer uh, on a similar budget? And I would contend that, that the likes of FT, FC Dallas subsequently proved that you can do that. But, uh, yeah, but that's, uh, that's a big one to, to, to delve into. You know, and then, when we, then we start to talk about investment in the academy and what, they're getting, what FC Dallas is getting out of theirs versus what DC United is getting out of theirs. And I don't think we want to go into that quite, uh, that, that, that issue today. <laughs> I, I will say that what's frustrating about DC United before we move on here, and, and certainly praise for the Red Bulls, um, uh, th- th- they still look like they're ha- they're marching towards an MLS Cup final at the very least. Um, th- the thing about DC United, it- it's just de- it's just depressing that they're so they're built so much on the other team making a mistake, Charlie. I mean that that's been that's long been an approach in in various sports. You you, you force the other team into mistakes, or you try to make. Except they're not pressing high enough to do that to a team that is used to those things and a team that can pe- possess the ball. And, and ultimately, what it came down to is the Red Bulls didn't make that one mistake that was going to help United find their goal. Yeah, and you know, what's interesting about United's attack, um, which is really you know, slowed down here, is they've, they've got an interesting partnership up top. He's gone with Saborio and Espindola, um, who obviously did a lot of great work together at Real Salt Lake in past years. Um, and, it, you know, Saborio came in midseason as sort of a more prototypical number nine uh, to bring a little bit of, I guess, coherence or a reference point for that United attack. But I actually uh, think they were playing better soccer back when they had Luis Silva, who unfortunately I think they kind of gave up on him because of his many injury struggles. But with Silva up there alongside Espindola, the roles weren't as fixed. Uh, the interchange was a little bit more dynamic. I mean, I actually have seen this United group, uh, effectively this group of players, play much more inventively in attack but right now, it's almost like the sort of, uh, you know, that reference point became a little bit of an anchor. I don't blame Saborio individually, um, but definitely, you know, because there was definitely something, there was a bit of verve missing from the legs of, of several of their players, and, and New York just, just figured them out also. Um, but I, I'm interested to see if, if Olsen tries to kind of tweak that, uh, that chemistry in there to try and create a little bit more unpredictability, because it was, it was really, really stale uh, going forward for D.C. Down the, down the stretch this season. All right, let's move on. As you said, that was not necessarily the most entertaining of the bunch. In fact, the, the three following that game delivered a, a lot more in that area. Uh, we'll go to Columbus and Montreal uh, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. Columbus with a, a 3-1 victory after extra time. They turned around the previous results, uh, got a 2-1 regulation win, quote-unquote. And, and, and this was Kai Kamara's show. He didn't play well in Montreal, Charlie. In fact, Taylor Twelman spent some time kind of breaking down um, how, how ineffective Kai was up at Stasaputo. Here he was at his, at his dominant aerial best. Well, he was, he was all set to wear the, uh, uh, the goat horns. Um, he had missed a PK, missed PK <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's, uh, you're asking for trouble, you know, when you, when you even though it was a, a contentious call, uh, I don't, didn't actually like the call. I didn't think it was a PK. Um, but Kamara was the one who stepped up and, uh, and he was denied by Evan Bush. So he, um, sort of put his team in trouble and then rescued his team from, from that same trouble in, in extra time and got it done, um, in effective fashion. And the, the thing I think to, that I take away from that performance on his part is, 
Um, he, he's always been a physically powerful and, and uh, an imposing player. And I think he, we have to give him credit now for matching it with, uh, with a little bit of mental relentlessness as well, uh, sticking with it. Um, you know, being fresher, being stronger and smarter to get to the back post uh, to meet a good cross from, I think it was uh, Cedric, um, put it, uh, an in-swinger to the back post. And, uh, and Kamara found the seam uh, and gets to play the hero. But, uh, you know, all in all, just that was just a slugfest. I mean, I was very, very impressed with both teams in that game. And uh, at various points, it looked like uh, both of them were going to be uh, advancing unjustly, fairly, fairly. Uh, yeah, the, you know, this is uh, we, we're talking a little bit about the litmus test that is uh, the playoffs for DC United and their and their approach to building a team. This is, you know, we're, we're dealing with another playoff season, which is a litmus test for Greg Berhalter and his particular brand of soccer, Charlie. Which I think, you know, when you're watching the game, if you're not, you know, if you're not a, a, a tactical adept, and and I'm certainly a you know novice in that area, just like a lot of soccer fans, you may not realize what exactly what's happening and what they're doing. To, to put their own sort of pressure on Montreal and, and create their chances. Yeah, well, so it was, uh, you know, it's very interesting to watch Columbus and Montreal. They, in some ways on paper, they often play the same formation, but it's just implemented in different ways. Um, Columbus are, you know, they love to get out and run, and they love to, to create numerical imbalances. They love to throw numbers into attack. Uh, at sometimes you can you can look up and see um, you know they might have uh, nine of their eleven players or eight of their eleven players in the in the attacking third, uh, which is um, it's brave. It can also be accused of being naive because uh, uh, it, it gives space for other teams to counter into. Um, but I thought you know they they have answered some of those issues with uh, with the way they've played thus far down the stretch this year and in the postseason. Um, you know, Montreal is a team that we saw thrived on the counter in the, that uh, great CONCACAF Champions League run they had in the spring. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought Columbus really set the tempo for most of that game. Not all of it, but most of the game. Uh, they forced Montreal to come out and run. Um, credit to, to the impact for doing so pretty effectively. Uh, but I thought that game was mostly played on Crew SC's terms, and it worked out for them in the long run. It did, um, and and so the and so the story of the Montreal Impact, especially this late season um, run that they've had with Didier Drogba leading the line, ha- comes to an end. Um, I, I don't know. We will do. We'll do. Obviously, we'll do a, a post mortem on, on on the impact in the coming days or weeks or whatever, and, and sort of look at what they what they have for next year. But this is. I did. I think I did say that if they didn't get it done this year, if they somehow turned all of this momentum into an MLS Cup title charlie i don't know what where this leaves them because Drogba is 37 and, and yeah he can st- maybe still go another year but how much are you going to put how many eggs are you going to put in that particular basket well i think they have to go with what they've got um y- you know the skills that Drogba brings are rare enough in this league that um y- you're going to take the compromise option of a 37 year old doing that work for you um and of course culturally i mean he's had a huge impact both he and the uh and what the team have done on balance as a group, um, you know, going back to the CCL run, have really inspired their fans. Uh, again, as we discussed in the past, less than a year ago, their owner, Joey Saputo, was publicly, in sort of shocking fashion, was publicly fretting about the relevance and the, and the, uh, the dynamism of his hometown as a soccer market, as a professional market. You know, they were not filling up Stout Saputo. Um, you know, they had a really awful season last year. And it, you know, it was sort of like there was some sort of existential um, 
uh, concern there in, in Montreal. Suddenly everything is different. You know, they're selling out the place. Their jersey sales are are up. Drogba jerseys are the, one of the hottest commodities in the league. So I think you 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 know you recognize the mileage on his legs. I'm sure they'd love to have uh, to go out and find a, a a reserve number nine, someone who can sort of do a rough Drogba impersonation when he has to take matches off. Uh, but if you handle him the right way, and you can look back at at uh, the way L.A. handled Beckham, and and there's other examples too. You know, you can you can coax uh, I think another good season out of him, and uh, and go from there. And again, he's already become such an integral part of that club's identity. Uh, I think I, I think they're happy with what they've got, and uh, a few bounces here and there. You know, and and they're in the final four of this tournament, this postseason tournament, and and maybe the the team to beat. So uh, it's the, the tight margins really become evident at this time of the season. So um, I think Montreal has to walk away from 2015 feeling pretty good on balance. All right, before we move over to the Western Conference, let's just take a quick look at uh, at the Eastern Conference final, New York and Columbus. I mean. Either one of New York or, or Montreal come out of that uh, that matchup, and we're probably talking about how fun this is going to be. And it just so happens it's it's Columbus. This should be a this should be a pretty good one. Well, yeah. How often does an MLS uh, playoff bracket go chalk? You know, we got one versus two, and uh, and that's you know credit to both those teams and credit to the work they did in the uh, in the regular season. You know, the regular season did matter here. Uh, we can argue. Again, for days and weeks about whether the postseason format rewards regular season success to the extent that it should. But, um, but number one and number two, I, I think, are deserving winners here. And I think it's going to be a slugfest. You know, it's uh, two teams that know each other well, two teams that I think will match up in a way that will be entertaining for the neutral. Uh, and uh, I, I honestly, I, I, especially with a, a you know, week's rest now, uh, every, or two weeks rest really because of the international break, I think they're going to both come in. Uh, ready to go, ready to run, and uh, and I think it'll be a fun show. And I, I actually don't know how this one's going to go. Yep, there you go. All right, so let's go to the Western Conference now. We'll talk about the the, the two semi or two uh, conference semifinals out there. We'll start with FC Dallas beating the Seattle Sounders. It took penalties. That game was uh, I don't know what the words are, Charlie. I don't think words can can do that game justice. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I, I was on the edge of my seat, and I think. Uh, anybody who is watching that game, regardless of what your uh, your you know your rooting interest might have been, uh, you, you certainly got your value out of that game. What a what a uh, what an occasion! Um, you know, and, and a, again, maybe one of the more fascinating contrasts of styles and and uh, and philosophies that you're going to find in this league at this point. Um, a team with uh, you know a, a sort of an aging Sounders team, deeply reliant on the big money stars. Um, and I think probably outrun and, and outthought yeah. uh, in many ways in that game, uh, but still hanging in just with, with the guts and, and grit and, uh, and the constant danger of two world-class players up top in, in Dempsey and, and Martins. Uh, versus Dallas, a team that's, that's built from the ground up, that's, that's really sort of um, uh, invested both, both financially and um, ideologically in the academy system and in the homegrown system that, that a lot of cl- other clubs are barely bothering with, and now it's a reliable source of talent for them. Uh, their scouting network in Latin America has proven to be excellent. Uh, they they want to build. They want to play. I've seen this Dallas team uh, compete in so many different ways. You know, They can sit in and counter and break. They can... Uh, they can grab the game by the scruff and dictate, especially with Mauro Diaz uh, running things as as he has been of late. 
so really a, just a blast to watch. Um, and of course, with PKs, uh, I don't think we would have expected maybe the veterans to get exposed to the extent that they did. And yeah. a twenty-year-old goalkeeper in Jesse Gonzalez coming up big the way he did. But uh, another guy who was a, a protagonist yesterday uh, made a mistake on Seattle's late goal, uh, and then of course more than bailed himself out for it with some pretty great stops in the shootout. Yeah, you know it was um, you know, such a fun game, and, and we know about Moro Diaz, we know about Fabian Castillo. There, there's some other guys in that Dallas team, and, and some of them get uh, attention certainly within the the sort of wonky soccer circles, Charlie. But guys like Kellen Acosta, obviously, um, and, and and Hollingshead, who uh, was fantastic last night, and and, and then uh, Michael Barrios, who I think was was better than Castillo, and maybe you don't expect that. Charlie, did I lose you? Sorry, I'm here. Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, no, I think um, the uh, the interesting part of that game was that there was a really, really bad matchup for Seattle out wide on their left. Um, Barrios took up position on the right flank for, for Dallas and just ran at the multiple people <laughs> who tried to fill the left back spot for the Sounders. And it was a really – it usually led to bad things for the Sounders' defense. And Siggy Schmidt made some interesting tactical adjustments, and he brought on fresh legs. He did a number of things to try and negate the advantage and, and change the flow of that game. And ultimately, um, he didn't get it done. You know, there was just too much speed, too much verticality, too many players uh, in red who were eager to run at defenders and and um, and create unbalances. And um, and in the end, that's you know that proved to be really decisive. Although. Um, again, you know, you have to say at this point in the season, a few bounces here and there, and things look a lot different. Those last five minutes were absolutely insane. Three goals, I think, in the last what five or six minutes mm-hmm. um, of regulation time, and um, and of course the Sounders have every reason to feel like they were right there, and and you know maybe not time to throw out the whole system, um, you know, when you lose in such tight fashion. But I think inevitably there's going to be change around that club just uh, because they haven't gotten it done and, and they've been knocking at the door for so long now that I think it's going to be a frustrating winter up there in uh, Washington State. Yeah, you had, uh, you had Tesho Akindeli scoring in the 84th minute. A great goal from Tesho Akindeli. And a good ball by Javon Watson, who uh, you and I had a little back and forth on, uh, on Twitter about Javon Watson and, and his blossoming in that system under... Uh, a guy who's been around for quite some time now. Chad Marshall obviously scoring the goal that oh my gosh they took it away he they took it away from FC Dallas and we're we're all that it was amazing and then Walker Zimmerman on the other end uh, fantastic to see him a young player gets uh, on the score sheet and help uh, FC Dallas through or at least two uh, two extra time and then the penalties um, I, I'm not sure where else I wanted to go with uh, with this I mean FC Dallas. Um, uh, uh, Finished first in the West. I mean, let's not forget that. It's not as though uh, they're an underdog here, but they have that. They still have that vibe, Charlie, because because of of how they've built this team and because of the type of talent they've relied on, rather than being the big the the, the team that goes out and signs big money players. Yeah, and I, I've um, I've said this on on Twitter, and I I think it's um you know I'm sure there's a lot of um, uh, other angles out there that are useful, and I love to to, to exchange these ideas with people, but. To me, when I watch FC Dallas, um, I see a uh, I see the blueprint for American soccer going forward. Love I it. see a club that has um, not only you know really committed to 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 local to development of local players and has a real effective philosophy uh, and is really a total club environment from age 
you know, 12 or thereabouts uh, all the way up to adulthood. Um, I think they're also a team that has fully opened themselves up to the enormous Latino populations and the, and more than that, the cultural influence, the sort of cultural norms that Latin American culture brings to the game. It's a really been a problematic area for United States soccer for many, many years. Um, oftentimes we see those demographics un- underrepresented um, both in terms of players, in terms of style, in terms of you know coaching hires and, 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 and on and on. But in Dallas, that's a completely sort of bilingual, bicultural place. Um, and, uh, and, they, and, and Oscar Pere has, has sort of woven everything into a cohesive whole. And it's, it's, for me, it's beautiful to watch. And I, I hope that it's, uh, that it's something that other teams try to imitate and try to follow after. I love the variety of um, cultural elements that, that, that come with, with MLS. Big country, many different cities, different makeups, backgrounds. Uh, places we all come from, and I, and I had somebody on Twitter last night, Charlie, say, hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm fairly new to MLS, um, or you know, is this is this how it is everywhere, or something like that, to, to, about FC Dallas's atmosphere. And first of all, when that place is filled up, it's really fun. I I mean, it's it's really fun, and it's really it, it sort of has a. I mean, it definitely has a DC vibe, but it also has a. There's obviously Texas in there, and there's you know the drums were a particularly interesting element to add to that game. I, I just want to say that, that that I had a I had fun watching that game in part because of the crowd. We can do without the goal kick chance, but other than that, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a great night in Frisco. Um, a, another sort of, um, I, I guess, old MLS talking point is. You know, is, is this idea that FCD made a mistake with their venue, um, and and it and it affected you know their their t- atmosphere, their home performances, all those things, and there's truth to that. I'm I'm from that part of the country. I grew up there. Um, when when that was built, uh, that facility was first known as Pizza Hut Park. Um, you know, they had been in a really untenable situation in the Cotton Bowl. They had to go play in a high school football stadium for a while in a whole different part of the region. Um, that was a club really struggling for for a home and an identity. Um, they ended up going up, you know, up north in what, what the time was a, a sort of an outer northern suburb of Dallas. Um, but over time, here we are, ten years down the road, um, suburban sprawl of the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex continues. Frisco is now sort of a vibrant community so much has grown up around it and um, because of that and because of just some good hard work by the front office there in terms of ticket sales and and cultivating their fan base um, you see a little bit more of what it what it is rather than what it's not and uh, and I certainly hope that 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 continues that they continue to, to get people out they can create that environment on a day-to-day basis because that is an enormous soccer market. I mean, the North Texas market has been a hotbed for soccer for decades now, and it's never quite shown up in the home atmosphere at FCD games. Well, you know, let's hope that this is sort of the the spark that gets them to kick on and make this a, an everyday thing instead of just a special playoff game thing because it was really deafening there, and it was really great to see uh, s- such a nice crowd get get so fired up and uh, and really put sort of will their team on. So there you go. Let's uh, go to the other Western Conference semifinal. Portland Timbers visiting Vancouver. No goals in the first leg, Charlie. And, um, I, you know, I, I just I, I wrote about this. I'm mean, not that this is a particularly unique thought that we had going into the or that I had going into this game. But I just I, I felt as if if Portland got the first goal, there just was no way back for Vancouver because they don't know how to play um, in, in a way that that'll, that's going to allow them to put pressure on the Timbers and the Timbers. 
because they got the first goal with Fernando Adi, just passed the ball around Vancouver, and it, it, that was basically it. Yeah, a fascinating game, and I guess you would say, if, if in, uh, other than the, uh, the the fake rug and the dome overhead, yeah, uh, that game was the the one for the purists uh, yesterday. You know, really tight game, uh, a lot of action in midfield, a lot of back and forth, uh, but chances limited with two very good goalkeepers, two stingy defenses. Uh, the issue for Vancouver, I think, was uh, sort of a, you could almost see the, the the angel and the devil on uh, on each shoulder of uh, Vancouver coach Carl Robinson. Um, do I open up? Um, how, you know, how many risks can I take here? Can I change the formation? And of course, again, when we talk about tight margins, uh, a twisted ankle for Kakuta Mane looked like he had reaggravated a, an existing injury there on just a, a bad slip. Um, you know, trying to trying to beat a defender. On a through ball, and the most dangerous, sort of lively, unpredictable attacking element for the Whitecaps is gone just like that, you know, 20, 25 minutes into the game. And uh, he, he had a tough choice to make there. He elected for width and service uh, f- from the veteran, from Mauro Rosales. You know, maybe he should have gone more athletic and, and direct with the speed of, of Darren Maddox. Um, certainly, we can uh, second guess him all day long there, but the issue was trying to create danger. Um, trying to create chances without opening up at the other end. And, uh, you know, it, it was tight, but ultimately Portland got it right. Portland was a little more disciplined and a little more effective. And because of the away goals rule, uh, you know, they, they ended up uh, coming away as the victors from a very, very well-balanced series. And I think we, we're not talking about it quite as much this season because there's so many other things going on. But the the use of the away goals rule, if you if you want to second guess that, if if you want to take issue with it, this is a series mm-hmm. in which it really really fundamentally affected things. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, I, I'm back and forth on the away goals rule. I mean, I understand that it, it obviously creates some some conservative thought processes in coaches, at least in the first leg. It, I, I mean, you would think that it would make you know force coaches to go for things, but at the same time, you're you're just so. Uh, you're so afraid of, of I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing for, for a coach, I imagine, to try to manage these two things, especially, again, like Carl Robinson, who did an excellent job over the course of the regular season. And while this was not the same sort of litmus test for his style and his team that it was for D.C. United in the East, there, there is some element to that because when, they, when push came to shove, they just didn't, they didn't have that. And look, money coming off is huge, but they didn't have that extra gear, and they, they weren't able to overcome... Um, their their own predilections to to playing some reactive soccer, Charlie. Yeah, you know Vancouver have um, have built like several other clubs in MLS. They've built an, a very effective um, scouting and player acquisition pipeline uh, to Latin America. They've gotten some great talent, um, uh, you know, on on relatively um, bargain wages. And uh, Octavio Rivero was kind of the latest one. He started the season like gangbusters, scoring goals for fun. Um, clearly, a, a talented player. But then down the stretch, um, he got cold in summer, and he never really found his way back. And he was really struggling last night, and, and I think there's clearly uh, a, a mental issue going on with him. And you could say maybe this is part of the risk and reward process for, for clubs that are looking for value overseas. Oftentimes, you wind up you know, with, with um, players who are compromised in some way or who aren't complete in some way. And for Rivero, we see, you know, he's played in some uh, big clubs. He's gotten, you know, a lot of eyes on him over the course of his career, but he's clearly not the complete article right now. 
and, and unfortunately, again, in a, uh, at a point in the season where the margins of between victory and defeat are so tight, um, his lack of confidence, um, his lack of form was really, really damaging for the Whitecaps because uh, as much as they've tried, they just don't quite have the attacking depth there that they do in, you know, in other parts of the field and other areas on their roster. So uh, again, a team that I don't think has to blow things up per se, but certainly they're going to be shopping. They, they need uh, a, a sort of a, the capstone for, for that team. It's a very good team in a lot of ways. They won the Canadian Championship. I think they'll be back in the mix again next season. But again, just like we see what Montreal, how Montreal has been transformed by an effective number nine, that type of person I think could do much the same or even to greater levels with uh, with the Whitecaps. All right, so let's uh, quickly look at the Western Conference final coming up uh, between Portland and FC Dallas. Obviously, FC Dallas, the, the the higher seed, will have the second leg at home. How much does that impact the series? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, I think. Normally, you'd be talking about rest and and uh, fatigue issues here, but w- with the international window, um, everybody gets a reset button. Uh, I think the the question is going to be um, Portland. Maybe that's the most intense home field advantage that either of these four teams can 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 claim. Um, if it's a pack night at, at Providence Park, if they can use that to their advantage, really get the crowd behind them, maybe jump all over SC Dallas early. Um, and take advantage of having that first leg at home. I think that's that's an influential factor in this series. But again, having seen FCD win and, and compete in so many different ways, I think they'll be comfortable setting their stall out and you know maybe sitting back and soaking up some early pressure, uh, and then gradually coming into the game in Portland. So there's going to be a little bit of chess going on there. Uh, Porter and Pareja are two of the brightest minds in the league. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, think about the uh, the foursome of coaches we've got here, Charlie. This is uh, this is the new generation of, of MLS coaching, and it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it is. And and again, we we've talked, um, and I just wrote something last week about how American coaching, I think, is actually the biggest area of need and and the most problematic issue in the bigger picture for this country. Um, and and so, as one who's knocked on the coaching landscape here, um, have to give all four of these guys credit. Uh, it's a victory for um, for sort of an intellectual approach to the game. Uh, it's a victory for philosophy, for 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 a club wide coherence to to the way you go about things, and uh, and I think that's a welcome sign for this league. Is that these aren't sort of cobbled together uh, groups of mercenaries and DPs that are hunting for for this trophy. Now these are four teams that that at this point have finally learned what they're about. Um, that have uh, you know useful ideas, and it's going to be great to watch some clash. Charlie Bohm, MLSsoccer.com, SoccerWire.com, and USsoccerplayers.com, all three of those places. Charlie posts excellent things. You should read them. C-B-O-E-H-M on Twitter. And, uh, Charlie, appreciate the time, and uh, hope your daughter wasn't too upset with us taking your, uh, taking your attention away. <laughs> yeah, no problem, Jason. Thanks, as always, and for having there me. There goes Charlie Bohm. Good stuff from him, as always. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. And talk to you, whatever's on your mind, whether it's MLS, NASL, stuff abroad, uh, lots of things. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. 
with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. The phone lines are now up and ready to go. That means you can call and talk to me about soccer. Because what the heck else are you going to do on a Monday morning except call and talk to me about soccer? 646-832-3909. Basically what I'm saying is I'm lonely. Please call me. I'm a lonely man who just wants to talk about soccer with people. I mean, is that too much to ask? It's either do this and give you the phone number and have you call me and we talk about soccer. I'm going to have to be I'm going to have to put an ad on Craigslist or something. And I don't, I don't see that going well for me. Like I don't I don't imagine that that's going to have a happy ending. I get catfished, I end up in uh, my my body's found in a swamp somewhere and then you feel bad because you didn't call me to talk about soccer. You don't want that on your conscience, do you? No, of course not. 646-832-3909. Full-on examination of the MLS Cup playoffs. But as I mentioned, we've got NASL playoffs, the semifinals, one-off games, Saturday and Sunday. The Cosmos coming back from a goal down to beat the San, uh, the sorry the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And the Ottawa Fur- Fury, fur- 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 the Ottawa Fury, they're mad, they're so furious. The Ottawa Fury beating uh, Minnesota United. I would say that, well, it's not an upset. Ottawa was the top seed. Uh, the, the, they were in first place in the fall. They were the second seed overall. They tied Cosmos on total points and only lost out due to a tiebreaker on goals scored. It's not like they were an underdog. And they were at home, and they'd only lost once all year at home to Minnesota United. I just I, I felt like Minnesota United had the the attacking ability to get the job done. But ultimately, it was Ottawa that went through. Full-on credit from, to Mark DeSantos, uh, uh, Dos Santos and, uh, and, uh, and Ottawa. They are, they are in it now. Final set for next Sunday. 6-3-1, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, this is uh, Bill from Queens. How you doing? I'm doing good, Bill from Queens. How, how are you? Uh, I'm doing uh, very good after uh, yesterday's uh, Red Bull game. I wanted to call up. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the front office of that team. So about about seven or so months ago, nine months or so, I uh, called you and said some some very uh, very nasty things about our our front office in the wake of the, uh, no. the Mike Becky thing. And, and no. as the uh, and as the season has gone on, I you know I've, I've eaten my hat at a lot of them, and they have sure, uh, sure. and they have, have really you know uh, endeared themselves to the rest of us and. Uh, not so much yesterday, then, then not even you know everything on the field, which has been amazing this season. But uh, last week we had a member of one of our supporters groups uh, passed away suddenly and uh, very yeah. shockingly. Yeah. And uh, the team um, really went out of their way. And uh, there's there's a seat in the South Ward that is inexplicably red in a, in a sea of blue seats. And they actually removed the uh, seat number from that seat and replaced it with uh, the initials uh, MV for uh, Mike Valla, who's a mm-hmm. member of the ESC who passed away. And just really, really kind things for them to do that, you know, did not have to do that for us and really appreciate it. So I just wanted to just call in and kind of share that story with the rest of the, you know, the MLS, you know, group here and kind of let you guys know about that. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I saw some pictures from our friend Jonathan Tannewald who went up to that game and covered it and uh, he tweeted uh, some pictures of the, the South Ward putting up the sign, uh, the, 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 you know, to honor Mike Vallow, who, as you said, uh, died 27 years old. Um, I don't know the background on any of that, uh, Bill, and, and I don't want to get into it. Just let's pay our respects to somebody who was obviously beloved in the, in the New York Red Bulls fan community. 
Indeed, yeah, very, very emotional uh, game for all of us yesterday. Uh, you know, combination of, uh, of joy and sorrow and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird when all those emotions kind of clump together. But, uh, but, uh, like I said, just really wanted to, to tip my hat to the team who, uh, really have, uh, have gone above and beyond this year for us, knowing that, uh, you know, that a lot of us were, were upset and they've, they've really, you know, uh, reminded us just how much they do care about us. And, uh, and know so much more, uh, yesterday than, as they have all season. Yeah, Bill, so. I would, I would. Thanks for the call, Bill. I would imagine that that you would know. Uh, Red Bull fans certainly know well, well, you know, much better than I would. I'm not there in Jersey. I'm not there in New York. I'm not going to the games. I'm not seeing this. But it just has the, everything that's come out of that place in 2015 after the town hall, and, and you know, full on credit to the to the the brass of the New York Red Bulls, the newly installed head coach. Technical director, Ali Curtis. Uh, I can't remember which player was there. Maybe Luis Robles. Uh, obviously, he wasn't going to get the brunt of it. But give full marks to those guys to, for going into that room and sitting down and knowing, knowing exactly what they were going get, to get themselves into. You, you piss off a bunch of people from New York and New Jersey. What do you think is going to happen? You're, you're not going to have them say, I'm so angry at you. No, they're going to get up and they're going to curse at you. And they took it. They had belief in their plan. They got this, and they, they they enacted this this plan. They put together this team, and here they sit in a conference final with every opportunity to go to MLS Cup Final 2015. And and everything that that comes out of that that place now feels more. I don't I don't know what's what's the word, Trevor? Authentic, real, connected. I mean, I'm not saying that they're suddenly the best organization in the league or suddenly they have the best community outreach in the league or the best fan outreach in the league, but they, they seem to have made some changes in those areas that have helped them not only because of winning, but because of that. 717, you're on the air. Hey, this is Patrick in Clemson, South Carolina. What's going on, Patrick? I want to know what you think of the coaching situation in Seattle. Do you think Siggy stays on another year or... Are, are, is Garth going to go after Christ? Given the fact that you know he's free now, that's a it's 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 a very good question. I don't think uh, I I can't imagine that Siggy Schmid has carte blanche to just stick around because he wants to stick around. I, I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but there may be some subtle pressure. I mean, they're certainly going to have they're going to do not you know they're going to do a post mortem on the season. They're going to have their debriefing. They're going to go back to Seattle. They're going to lick their wounds. They're going to sit down with each other. And they're going to say, how do we feel and where are we going? And that may be that moment, that meeting may determine whether or not Siggy Schmidt is head coach of the Seattle Sounders in 2016. Siggy, I saw a quote from Siggy after the game. He said, you know, that's up, for, that's up to, to ownership. I certainly think I can coach and want to coach. So he's already put that out there in public immediately following their loss. Obviously, the, the elephant in the room is the availability of Jason Kreiss. I don't know that, that Garth Lagerwey is going to be the driving force behind a change there, or even that they might, you know, whether or not Christ and Lagerwey want to get the band back together. That may not be something they want to try to do. They, they may want to be independent of one another in, in their next phases. I mean, certainly Lagerwey never expected Christ to end up in Seattle when he took that job. And, and Christ may say, hey, you know, I want to go be my own, not be my own man necessarily, but sort of like, certainly. Do something that doesn't come with. Oh, it was him and Garth Lagerway. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. I just think that if I'm looking at at it from a Seattle fan's perspective, you know, sure you've made the playoffs, 
every year, but it, it just seems like it's stagnant from there. I'm, I mean, I'm, to not even have made the MLS Cup final, yeah. like let alone win it, you know, I, I think it may be time for a change. I, I don't, I, 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 I think it probably is time for a change. Um, if you're asking me, if you ask okay. me whether or not Seattle should chase Jason Christ, I would say yes. I would say yes, and and I, I'm not. I don't want Siggy Schmidt to lose his job. I'm not that kind of person. But when you when you consider what their expectations are, what their goals are every single year, and what they've managed so far, a couple of of U.S. Open Cups and and a Supporter Shield. Okay, that's nice. I mean, you know, for the Red Bulls, that's a big deal, and they've been around a lot longer, so that says something. But for the Red Bulls, that's a big deal. For Seattle, it's kind of like. What are we getting for our money here? What what are we doing? What what exactly? Why aren't we making that that leap? Why haven't we taken? Why can't we figure out how to be LA, and 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 win titles? And if if he's not getting it done, if he constantly hits this wall every time every time they get there, then maybe it's time for a change. And I, and I do think that there's something to be said for fresh and vibrant and new ideas. And and not that Siggy plays ugly soccer. It's not that. But I think Jason Christ may have a little bit more impact on how they play over the course of a season and a philosophical shift that they can build on. Whereas I don't know, does does Siggy Schmidt have an identity as a coach? I mean, he's a he's an American soccer coach. He does does whatever that is. You know, it's it's not like it's not like we know exactly what he wants to bring to the table. Yep, I, I agree with you. There. All right, man. Appreciate the call. All right, thanks. All right, good stuff. You guys are keeping me uh, keeping me sane here on a uh, Monday morning. Let's go to 203. You're on the air. Hey, Jason. It's Alberto. How are you? Hey, Alberto. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Uh, a great weekend for uh, soccer, don't you think? Yes. Yes, it was a fantastic weekend. Uh, couldn't watch all of it. What I did watch, I enjoyed. That's how soccer works. It's great. It's absolutely. I want to stick to um, now with the international break coming up um, this weekend. I was wondering if you saw the list of the United States national team heading into the match against St. Vincent, the Grenadines, and Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. I was wondering, do you think there should have been any names that should have been included and should have been excluded? Uh, you know, I had that I had that list up here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to misstate. Uh, I want to misstate anything as I as I take a look at. Well, okay, no, I I, I got it right here. Um, I, I think. I mean, I'm happy to see Matt Miazga. I'm happy to see Darlington Nagby. I'm not so thrilled about Alan Gordon. I mean, I know what job he does, and I know why he's there. He's uh, he's Alan Gordon is break glass in case of emergency, right? Alan Gordon is, holy crap, this is not going well. We can't find our goal. Get the big guy in there. We'll lump the ball up to his head and see if he can put one in. That's what, that's what Alan Gordon yeah, is. Unfortunately, he hasn't done that in the two games he played. Oh, I, it's just one of those situations, though, where I, I there, there, there may not be a better analog for uh, for Alan Gordon or for that position than Alan Gordon. It's just it's it's a cop out on on Klinsman's part. It, it it's it's sort of defeatism actually to bring in Alan Gordon to think that you might need Alan Gordon. I mean, on one hand, you go, okay, well that's smart. Well, who else can do that job? Well, I don't really have that guy, and and it's not like. Uh, it's not like we're positive that we're going to be playing great soccer and scoring a bunch of goals right now, whoever the competition is. So maybe we need that guy. But that just feels bad to me. I'm happy to see Miguel Ibarra. I have no idea what he's doing at Leon. I haven't checked on him recently. Uh, mix? I don't get mix. I mean, you know, where, where's Ethan Finley? 
Where's yeah? Thank um, you. Finally. Where is? I mean, there there are other guys in this. Uh, you know, where's where's Lee Wynn? What happened to Lee Wynn? If we're not going to get Benny Fellhaber, can we get Lee Wynn? I, I mean, it's it's that's that's not great. Um, I, I don't mind the the defensive situation again because of Miazga. I, I'm Michael Orozco, um, I don't really know how he's doing, but he's not. I don't think he's a long term player. And you got Breck Shea in here, so I guess he's a left back again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, Ventura. What about him? Yeah, you, you know, I, 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 want, I don't want to give up on the kid. I really don't. So, I'm uh, again, Miazga being there helps me feel better about Alvarado being there. Because if, <clears throat> if Miazga is there, then at least Clemson recognizes that ability, and we may see Miazga uh, pass Ventura Alvarado at some point in the near future. That at least gives me, gives me hope that he'll do that. That'll happen. If Alvarado's not playing, I mean, if suddenly Alvarado it starts to click for him at the international level, great. Now we have center back depth, which we haven't had in a long time. Absolutely, definitely. It just so it seems so weird to me that they're playing this match and just going back to the match and further that they're going to play this match at a baseball stadium. I know at Bush Stadium. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I, I understand trying to get uh, St. Louis a game. I get that. But doing it at Bush Stadium is, yeah, like, like you said, it's a, that's so weird. We're going to play a World Cup qualifier. I don't care if it's the smallest island, it, the, you know, I don't care, I don't care what the, who the opponent is. You play a, a World Cup qualifier on a baseball stadium. I mean, and then see what's going to happen is now the, the United States is going to go down to the Caribbean and play in these qualifiers, and they're going to be playing on cricket uh, pitches, and we're all going to complain about the cricket pitch. Meanwhile, U.S. Soccer saying, yeah, let's just play at a baseball stadium. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. Um, I remember watching, um, I think it was Argentina-Bosnia, like a few months before the World Cup. They played that game. They played a friendly at Bush Stadium, and the pitch was absolutely terrible. That's not good. I, I didn't realize they'd already done this. I know Bosnia is probably they, very popular in the St. Louis area. That's not good. Hmm. Got anything else? Well, uh, enjoy your day, Jason. I appreciate Thank it. You. Good call. All right, we'll just put it out there one more time. 646-832-3909. Let me, just, uh, let me just go ahead and click on this little story that just popped up in my Twitter feed. This is why you stay on Twitter while you're doing the show, so you can catch up with all the, all the news, all the interesting news. Here's a headline from awfulannouncing.com. Improved MLS ratings show that new consistent television windows are working. Ooh. It's interesting. It's good to know. Up uh, these these games are uh, up a little bit. We'll see if this means anything for MLS in the long term. Anyway, we've got really, really good MLS Cup playoffs happening. We've got the NASL final. What are we calling that game? It's the championship. The championship is the whole playoffs or just the final. The soccer bowl is the trophy. That's only been explained to me like six times, and I think I'm trying to remember now. The soccer bowl is the actual trophy. The championship is the playoffs. That means what? This is the championship final? Is that the language we're using here? I mean, this is all about marketing, guys. Like, how can we market this this league if we don't know what we're calling anything? We're changing the names all the time. Championship final. Okay, I got it. It's on NASL.com. Thank you very much for having it right there, guys. We've, uh, we've obviously got interesting, interesting things happening in Europe with um, 
Barcelona now tops in La Liga thanks to Real Madrid losing. And we're going to see... Uh, it, it's not like it was always going to be gravy for Rafa, Mar- uh, Rafa Benitez at, at Real Madrid. And eventually, Rafa Benitez was going to do things that were going to not make the Madridistas happy. And if they start dropping results, if they start dropping points, and Barcelona takes a lead out on them, when's the when's the Clasico? It's like like two weeks away, right? We'll see how that goes. Very fascinating times. Obviously, Chelsea continues to be an ongoing story. Jose Mourinho, not on the... That was so funny to watch. That Stoke game with Chelsea. There was like four guys. I mean, I don't I don't know Chelsea's coaching staff. There were like four guys in those big puffy blue jackets. Because, of course, none of them are going to dress. Like, even if you are the stand-in manager, you're not going to wear Jose-style clothes. You're not going to wear managerial style. You're going with... You know we're we're training we're 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 training staff we're coaching staff we got to wear we got to look like coaches because we're not the boss so there's like four guys in blue coats running around like bumping into each other trying to figure out how to get something working so that they don't lose to Stoke and that was just amazing absolutely amazing so much fun to watch and I don't really revel in Chelsea's pain I just think it's fun to watch all right let's wrap up this edition. Oh, we got one more call. I'm sorry. I should go check the phone line. 646, you're on the air. Hey, hi, Jason. It's Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Aaron in Jersey. What's going on, man? Uh, uh, nothing much. It was, a, it was a very good weekend. Uh, looking forward to this international uh, break. Uh, I know the, some of the matches aren't that exciting, but I think the Jamaica-Panama match could actually be a blast because, you know, it's uh, I've been – arguing with my friends for a while that there's almost like this gelling of these other um, countries, you know, obviously Costa Rica is already gelled, but Panama and Jamaica, I think are kind of gelling up, uh, you know, with, with the U S and Mexico and Costa Rica. And, and that starts making things a lot more competitive because obviously, you know, through the, through the qualifying phases, there's a lot of matches that are kind of slam dunk. Mm-hmm. But so it turns it into goal differential. It start, you know, it's, it starts to become competitive. Yeah. It's not just that, you know, we, we kind of cruise, as I've always said, you know, to the World Cup qualifier. And if we don't have a great year, we're, we're second place. You know, there, there could be some real, you know, disruption now because you have some, some teams like Costa Rica, Panama, and Jamaica that, that, are, that are very well coached. Uh, their players and their, their leagues are starting to get better or, or, the, or the leagues that, that their players are playing in are, are are, uh, are good for them. I mean, like all the Jamaicans that are playing in MLS and uh, <clears throat> NASL, you know, it's just you, you can just see how it's paying dividends for them as a team. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, w- one other uh, uh, kind of interesting point this weekend. I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you saw the Barcelona goal, that was pretty ridiculous by by Neymar. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but uh, you know, Real Madrid losing. I think sets up an, an enormous clash, you know, on top of the regular enormous clash for El Clasico. I don't know what kind of drum beat you're going to start holding next week, but, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, this year's El Clasico is going to be really exciting because, you know, without Messi and, yep. uh, you know, and, and Real needs a win. I mean, if they, if they lose that, they're probably done. 
Yeah, that's kind of, that's, uh, that, well, I mean, you, you say that, that's so, that's ridiculous to think, Aaron, because, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying the fact that we can even imagine that they might be done for the title in November is insanity, but okay. Um, I, I, we'll start, we'll start talking about, obviously that's, uh, yeah, we'll start talking about it next week. You actually reminded me that I need to drop in some information here, give you guys a bit of a heads up. I am going to be away Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, unfortunately. Had a death in the family, have to go to a funeral, so I'm going to be stepping aside for some personal time. I just want to let everybody know we won't be here Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I'll be back on Monday. All right, Aaron, anything else before I let you go? Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I just really appreciate, you know, you, you know, and the show that you have out here. I have a lot of friends of mine who listen and, uh, you know, we all like it a lot. So I appreciate that, Aaron. Thanks and, a lot. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the death in the family. Hey, so. you know what? Um, it was time, but it's, uh, you know, I just, I just, if it, it reminded me cause I failed to do it last week to, to get people ready. And we have this issue where people get upset when I'm not, when I'm not on the air. So which would be just a good but thing. That tells you it's that, a good thing. That, yeah. that, that you're, that people are depending <laughs> <laughs> as a as a key outlet in their daily miserable Absolutely. lives, you Absolutely. know, to focus on soccer. Uh, <laughs> it's not miserable. It's uh, got to be positive. Aaron, I'm appreciate joking. It. I'm I know, joking. I know. Thanks for the call, Aaron. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Because Aaron in Jersey, right, we we can squeeze in one more, and then we'll shut it down for a Monday. Three two three. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Jason. It's Robert from LA, number eleven. What's going on, Robert? Hey. uh... We'll talk about the, the playoffs. Uh, I'll be about Seattle. Um, do you think this is uh, Ziggy's last? Uh, do you think he stays next year, or do you think uh, or Seattle's going to go with uh, Jason Christ? Well, we just had a we just had a caller to ask the same very same question. So I've gone I've gone through this one time, Robert. So I, I'll kind of ask I'll ask you to listen back to the podcast to get the answer. But I think that there's a very good possibility that that Ziggy and Seattle decide that it's time to go their separate ways. Um, I, I don't know that Siggy's going to want to leave, and I'm not saying that, that Seattle's just going to say flat out you're fired. I think they're going to have discussions. I think they'll sit down. They'll talk about the direction of the team, their disappointment again, and that there may, be, there may come a point where they kind of look at each other and go, yeah, we should probably just uh, call it a day here. And, bec- and because Jason Christ is available, that obviously changes the dynamic. But again, I don't know if Jason Christ necessarily wants to work with Loggerway again because you kind of want to separate yourself and go on and do your own thing. Uh, and there's going to be other offers for him. There'll be very good offers. Uh, and, and he may not have to worry about ego quite as much in some of those other places, Robert. All right, I'll lose the topic. Hey, can I ask one more thing? Uh, yeah. Do you think Bill Hamid stays in MLS? Do you think we'll see him in MLS next season, or do you think he'll move in the winter? Uh, winter sale of a goalkeeper is tough. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it all the way through 2016. Let's say it that way. He's either going in the winter or the summer, but I, I think he definitely goes next year. Okay, yeah. All right, well, hopefully at the end. All right, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it, Robert. Got to get rolling here. That's a soccer morning for a Monday. Soccer morning for a Monday. Thank you very much to everybody who called in. You guys are all brilliant, wonderful, fantastic, glorious people. You're fantastic. Just tell yourself. Look in the mirror. Say, I'm fantastic. No, not the Stuart Smalley bit. Now I'm aging myself. Thank you to Charlie Bohm for his appearance on today's program. Excellent stuff from Charlie. As always, go follow him on Twitter. C-B-O-E-H-M. Yes, that's how you say his name or spell his name. That's how you do that. Okay. 
We are done. We will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the last show of the week. I apologize. Have to step away for some personal stuff. We'll be back on Monday. So tomorrow's show, be here for that. We'll talk to you then. Later. Disappear. What I put my heart on every cursive.